0: Thank you for joining us for the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue our way through the book of James. Hey, good morning. It's a great day to be alive. Come on. It is a great day to be alive. And I'm so glad you're here. If you're visiting one of your first times here, uh, welcome to the Cross Loganville. We are a non-denominational fellowship that seeks to glorify God by connecting your story with Christ and with others. That's our aim. That's our mission. And our vision is, uh, of what we're about. Hey, please take advantage of our website. I've, I'll, I'll say this every week during this space, but please take advantage of the website, thecrossloganville.org. Uh You'll see that there is a, uh, there, there a uh, tech service number there that you can type guest if this is your first time. If you have a prayer request, you can send it in uh, via that route. As well as if you want to get our weekly updates, just type the cross. Uh, it's all there on the website. Take advantage of it. There's a Connect Card app, uh, if you will, on the website, a giving link uh, to stay faithful uh, in our stewardship and generosity to the Lord. Uh, the Uversion Bible app that we use, all of our sermon notes are uploaded every week, and so I want you to take advantage of that. Let me say this, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in uh, and, and finish up our, our series in the book of James. I'm going to start a new series next week that we've titled Connect, and it's really going to be centered in on connecting you with God, connecting you with us here at the Cross Loganville, and connecting you with others. And uh, if we ever needed a Christ-centered, authentic community, it's now. And uh, you know as well as I do, uh, the last couple of years have been so painful and exhausting and fatiguing for all of us, and I think we, we need to recalibrate. So there's so many new families that are attending our church, introducing those families to our DNA, who we are, uh, but yet really making it a just an essential Christ-centered, walking with God kind of thing, Craig, is really going to help us out. Open your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 5, and we're going to finish up again our series. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to worship you in spirit and in truth. And, Father, even as we sing, Father, here this morning, I pray that the Spirit of God would have freedom to fall. I pray that we would anticipate and uh, with the living God, the risen Christ. And I pray that you would just move in this space. Father, as we spend time uh, contemplating prayer, as we spend time uh, moving into communion today, I pray that you would uh, awaken our hearts. I pray that you would re-arouse something deep down inside of us. uh, Father, that reminds us of how desperate we are for you. Lord, I'm desperate for you today, and I need you. And I ask you now to lead us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So James now wraps up. Uh, his writing, if you will, to those believers that were being dispersed and scattered because of persecution. If you go back to chapter one, when he says, consider it joy when you encounter different trials, various trials of different types, uh, knowing that it's gonna bring about perseverance and deepen our faith. And he's writing all about maturation and growth in our journey. He's wrapping it up right now by saying, hey, I want you to stay with it. And, And as we've looked over the last weeks, He said, hey, I want you to be patient, be long-suffering, be resilient. You've got to persevere. You've got to endure. The only way you're going to be able to do this is to submit to the Lordship of Christ. You've got to press in every day. It's got to be a 24-7, 365 thing. It can't just be something, Dave, that we do for 75 minutes on Sunday morning. That's not going to make the trip. He's talking about allegiance to Christ. He goes, hey, I want you to steward your life. I want you to steward your wealth. Everything that you have is a gift from God. And and then right here at the end, he goes, now stop complaining. And if we've ever seen complaints and debates and argument and divisiveness, we're seeing it now. And he's speaking right to us. Stop complaining. Stop judging. Stop dogging each other. Let your words count. I mean, a smart person might know what to say, but a wise person knows when to say it and how to say it. Hey, just because you got the right answer doesn't mean you need to spit it out. Learn to love each other, care about each other. And this is the wrap. This is the wrap. Hey, please be a person of prayer and be a person of praise. That's where he lands. Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Call for the elders of the church to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's been sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed, so that you may experience the the healing power of God. The effective prayer of a righteous man availeth and accomplishes so much. So here James is. He's wrapping this up, and you've got to understand this. He's wrapping it up by saying, Please be a person of prayer. Again, James's nickname was Camel Knees, and they said he had these big knots on his knees from how much time he had spent in prayer. So it's not like James is asking the people to do something that's foreign to him. He's, he's going, hey, I know the power of prayer. And that's the premise statement I would make. There is tremendous power in prayer, but it's gotta be continual. In sports, my background, there's an old saying that goes something like this. You will never make 100% of the shots that you don't take. Which implies if you don't take the shot, you're not going to make the shot. And I share that to say this. 100% of the prayers that you do not pray will go unanswered. We're told throughout the pages of Scripture, let your requests be known to God and the God of peace. That, that that only the peace that God can give that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Let your requests be made known. He's like, just call on me. Come to me. Press into me. Seek me. So here, here, here's another thought. Praying, and you've got to hear this. Praying is not just some random act of throwing cliches and words up to God. I believe the link is between consistent prayer leads to potent prayer, which means consistency gives you power. You've got to continually pray. He says, pray without ceasing. And, and I tr- truly believe that consistency, long-term consistency, will always trump short-term intensity. I mean, it's got to be the pattern. It's, it's got to be the flow. Who do you want praying for you when you're knocked down? Who do you want interceding for you when you're going through a turbulent time? Somebody that prays once a year? When the pressure's on, somebody that prays maybe once a week? Or do you want that person interceding for you that you know is connected with God, is constantly leaning in to God? So long term consistency will always trump short term intensity. We've got to be people of prayer. And, and prayer is that time where you're constantly aligning your will to the will of God, and you're declaring, God, your will be done, my will be gone, I, I've got to have you, I've got to know you. James, in this text, mentions three specific times that we ought to be praying. And we're going we're gonna to spend time this morning praying. We're gonna go through this teaching right here on prayer, and then we're gonna have a couple of songs and time where we really lean into prayer. Then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna talk to you about communion, and then we're gonna spend time in communion. But we're gonna press into the Lord today. So, three specific times. He goes, When you're hurting emotionally, pray. That's the text right here. Is anyone suffering? That he should pray. The word suffering, Ah, oh, the word suffering that he uses here means you're stressed out. You're overwhelmed. You've got all this pressure and tension going on. The problems you're facing is greater than the potential inside of you. Anybody suffering, anybody dealing with any like emotional weightiness is just absolutely just pressing you down and knocking you down. But here, here's what he's here, here's what he's implying: the external conflict, the external circumstances around you has created this internal chaos inside of you, and you look and you go, I can't I can't handle all of this, whether it's a financial crisis, whether it's a relational crisis, whether there has been a death of a family member or sickness that you've been dealing with, or whether you're just like. Totally just exhausted and fatigued because of what's happening with culture, with COVID, with news, with tension, with all this chaos. And you know as well as I do, if we start to empower what's happening in the news or even with media or with all this stuff, even on social media, you'll lose your stinking mind, right? I mean, how many arguments and how many different ways is culture in the medical world going to try to induce fear into us? We're living in a world where they're taking, trying to take away our freedom of speech and our freedom of belief. And, and we're battling right now. And we've got to fight on our knees. That's what he's saying. You've got all this external stuff going on. The tension is high. Life is hard, and something inside of your heart is breaking. And whether you caused it or whether somebody else inflicted it on you, stop, pray, seek God, press into the Lord. You need Him so desperately. And can I tell you something? Every person that I'm looking at this morning, every one of you, including me, We are suffering. We're living in a world that is diseased by sin. And there's so much suffering emotionally. We're tired. And sometimes we just wanna check out. We wanna throw in the towel. And if you battle addiction over the years, it's so easy for the enemy to say, just sedate and medicate. You've gotta do something to deal with this. And James is saying, please, please, please stop. Just pray, seek the heart of God. And if I've ever, ever needed to press into the Lord, it's now. Anybody suffering, pray. Anybody cheerful? sing praises. I'm like, James, you went from one extreme to the next. You went from the pits to the pinnacle right away. And life is flooded with such extreme emotions. I mean, one day we do, we feel like I'm on the mountain today. The next day we're in the valley. One day we're celebrating. And then hours later, we're heartbroken And I'm going to tell you, being in ministry requires that you have to be able to shift gears immediately. You think about the ebbs and flows of life. I mean, being involved in ministry over the years and even in, in church ministry, like this happens on any given Sunday. You'll have a young couple walk in. And you go, hey, good morning, how are you doing? Oh, man, praise God, we just found out we're pregnant. We're expecting in February. We're so pumped. The next person walks in. How are you doing today? My brother died. He was my closest person in my life. I'm heartbroken. Then you talk to another person. How are you doing? Oh, man, I just landed a new job, double my income. Life couldn't be better. Then you talk to the next person. How are you doing? I just got fired, and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like pray, praise, pray, praise. And it is fatiguing sometimes. July 3rd, it was such a, it was all over the map for me. Barb calls, hey, you can come get Hannah. They're releasing her from the hospital. Praise the Lord. They've been gone up there and they've been staying at that hospital for two weeks. I'm so ready to have my girls back home. Let me shower. I'll be there. Man, I get out of the shower. I dress. This is my day. All of a sudden, I'm getting ready. I grab the keys, phone rings. It's my sister. Hey, what's up? Bawling her eyes out. Dad's having seizures. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's going to make it today. Okay, let me call you. I'll call you back when I get in the car. So I call her back. Uh, okay, I've got to go get my girls. So I get to the hospital. I'm packing bags. I'm loading bags. I'm taking them down to the car. She calls again. Oh, my God, it's so bad. He's it, it, shutting down. I, I'm, I'm going to bring my girls home. But i got to let him go. Come back and shower. Or, or come back and, 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 and unload the car. All right, I got to go to Noonan. I get to noon and he's dying. I'm holding my daddy's hand. I'm praying over my daddy. I'm weeping. And praise God, Neil went with me. But I'm like, Neil, I'm so thankful you're here. It's 5.30. We need to leave. I got a wedding to do tonight at 7 p.m. in Carrollton. We got to go. And I get in the car and I'm still weeping. But by the time you get there in Carrollton, these people are high-fiving. They decked out. They're ready to get married. They're going to celebrate. And he says, hey, anybody suffering, pray. Anybody cheerful, sing songs. And that's life on any given day. And I do, I feel like life is the scream machine. I feel like life is it's all over the map. How you doing? And you've got to be able to change gears. Are there situations in life where you're hurting? Yes, pray. There's situations in life where you're excited. Praise God. And Barb, this stuff happens for us, babe. Like on any given day, throughout the day, throughout the day. But James' resolve is this: No matter what you're going through. Whether it's peak or valley, consider it joy because God's at work in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. And God is growing your faith up if you will trust him. And some of us have been so beat up over the last weeks and months and years. And it's and It's hard. I've had people tell me on Sunday morning, first-time visitors, people that have been here a few times, man, I don't know what it is about coming in here, but you can just really uh, tell that the joy of the Lord's in here. And I'm like, the joy of the Lord is in here. The absence of pain is not in here. The absence of conflict is not in here. People are still hurting, but the joy of the Lord is here because the joy of the Lord is central to us. And I've had people say, man, you, you can tell it. And I'm like, well, the joy of the Lord is contagious. That's the reason the psalmist would say, I was so joyful and overwhelmed when they said, let us go worship in the house of the Lord. Let's go worship God. He goes, yes. He didn't say, I was bummed when they said, let's go to the house of God. He didn't say, I was mad or I was sad or I felt pressured. He goes, I was glad when they said, let's go worship God collectively together. And, and I do believe, for the believer, listen to me, I do believe that the joy of the Lord should be central for us. Is there battles every day? Is there fights every day? Y- yeah. But do I believe that the conge- contagious joy of Jesus should be leaking out of us when others see, see us and they go, and you just went through this tough time, but the joy of the Lord was really real in you. You hurt, you cried, you were in pain. You know, the word praise is mentioned over 500 times in Scripture. And can I tell you personally for me, there's probably been very few things that have increased my enjoyment and my worship and my dependence on God, like praising and singing songs to the Lord. From the time I got saved, and I was seeing where my buddy Eddie, that was a part of New Song, just passed away yesterday. But New Song was one of those first groups I listened to, and I was like, praise God, man, I'm worshiping with these guys. I got turned on the Maranatha and Terry Clark and all those guys way back, Keith Green and some of that music. And I was like, being able to worship and praise God has been so key for me. Even in the midst of conflict and storm and pain and death and difficulty and divorce, I can tell you, you suffering, pray. you cheerful, praise him. He goes, when I'm hurting physically, I need to pray. He goes, anybody sick? Anybody sick? needs to call for the elders of the church. The word sick means I'm without strength. I'm, I'm, I'm fatigued. I, I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm knocked down, I'm not even able to function right now, I am sick. And that COVID junk knocked me down back in December, one of the sickest times I've ever been in my life. I'm like, I'm sick. And it's the same word that is used when they talk about Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, it says, Lazarus fell sick. It means this dude's about to die. His body is wasting away. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now there's people that are around us that are physically sick. Whether it's this junk that's going around, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart issues, whether it's absolute destruction in the body because of stress and fear, we're seeing it so much right now. Anybody, anybody sick? Pray, call for the elders, let the elders anoint him with oil. And we're going to do that today. We have oil here and we want to pray over people that are physically sick today. We want to step into that space today. Why? Because we're living in suffering, sick times. Now, here's something you need to know. The scripture teaches there's three different kinds of sickness, okay? First John 5:16 it talks about there is a sickness that leads to death. And reality is there are some sicknesses that God's going to use to take the person out. There are some sicknesses for the believer, no matter how hard you pray against it, that God is going to use that sickness and illness to remove that person. People have told me over the years, well, you've just got to have enough faith. Well, if we had enough faith, we would never die and we're going to die. So it's not dependent upon my faith. It's dependent upon God's faithfulness in God, sovereignty. There's those situations where you're praying. What I'm lifting this person up, but your will be done. God goes, this is a sickness unto death. And I had prayed, back to my dad, I had prayed for my dad at times. Four or five years ago, he's in the hospital, septic, his body is really, really just infected. And I looked at him, you got any fight left in you? I do. You think God's still got a plan for you? I do. I prayed, over, I prayed over Dad multiple times, multiple, multiple, multiple times. Lord, if it's your will, restore his body. God wasn't done with him yet. But that last, that last 24 hours of praying over him, God goes, he's about to die. Release him. Pray over him, but give thanks for his life. I'm not going to restore him. This is a sickness unto death. All right, that's one kind of sickness. Then you've got uh, a sickness that's for the purpose of discipline. First Corinthians 11, the Corinth church there, if you will, uh, the believers there in Corinth, they were abusing the Lord's table. They were making a mockery and a mess out of the communion and elements of the table. And, And God comes down and says, the reason you're sick is because of the sin in your life. You can pray for some people until you're blue in the face, but if they're wallowing in sin and living in sin, God will allow sickness to come upon people because of sin. And he goes, there's some people sick because of sin. You're pacifying, you're tolerating, you've got whatever going on. You've got this addiction, you've got this bitterness, you've got this resentment, you've got all this junk going on and you're sick, you've gotta get it out. And then there's the third kind of sickness for the purpose of God. Uh, receiving glory. I want you to hear this. Because when you start to study scripture, there's some sicknesses that God allows us to have that he's gonna bring about healing for his glory so that it will be a testimony unto the Lord. John chapter uh, 11, again, they, they looked at Jesus and they said, uh, who, who sinned, or John 9, who sinned, this young man or his parents that he's ill and he's sick? They asked Jesus that. Who sent? Who jacked it up, him or his parents? And and, and Jesus looked at the disciples and said, "Stop, stop the nonsense. That's a very faulty, fallacious conclusion to make. This dude's sickness is for the glory of God. And God will allow us to go through certain things at times for his glory to strengthen our witness with other people. And that's the kind of sickness that he's talking about here in the book of James. He goes, when that kind of sickness happens, you're to anoint those with oil. Now, oil was used in Scripture in a medicinal way for massages, etc. I want you to anoint with oil. They would anoint with oil, massage, lay hands on. But they would also reference oil as being symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's the emphasis here. Anoint them with oil. Call on the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God that brings about healing. Not man. Don't trust man. The oil in the hand of man is nothing, it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that can bring about healing. There's so many that I've seen over my 35 plus years of walking with Jesus that they will say, Well, I've got the gift of healing then why do you set up a tent in a parking lot asking people to come to you instead of you getting out of your stinking seat and going out to the hospitals and into those places where people are sick? If you've got the gift of healing, then you go out there to where sick people are. Don't you ask sick people to come to you because the emphasis is never on me. Anybody sick? Anybody knocked down? Call for the elders. Allow the elders to pray over them, anoint them with oil, and we're going to step in to that space today because God is the God of all healing. Now, God allows, again, sickness to take us home for the believer. God allows sickness, Lisa, uh, because there's sin in camp, and God allows sickness for the glory of God. So when you're hurting, pray. Whether it's physically, pray. Whether it's emotionally, pray. Pray. Then he says, if you're hurting spiritually, pray. He says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. What is the condition biblically for healing? It's confession. The word confess, homologia. It means to say what God says about something. So when I confess it, I'm saying exactly what God says about my sin issue. He goes, confess it. Don't conceal it. Don't camouflage it. Don't cover it. Address it and confess it. And we live in a culture where people love to conceal, where people love to camouflage, where people love to suppress. Hey, confess. Get them out in the light. Expose them. Don't let them occupy you anymore. Eliminate it as being an option. And not only are you to confess it to the Lord, confess it to one another. Listen to me, listen to me. I've had people say, well, am I to stand up and confess it to the church. That would be broadcasting, not confessing. That's a different story. But who have you hurt? Your confession should be vertical, You should have a close person, like for me. Praise God for Barb. Barb can confess to me. We can talk through stuff. You you should have a a trusted pastor or mentor or friend that you can lean into. But reality is, if I've hurt other people, I go to them. And I've had people say, well, you gotta confess it to the church. That would be broadcasting. And it doesn't belong to certain people there. But I can tell you, true healing and freedom i've seen it a million times over it 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 begins in the heart by revealing and exposing you don't know how many times i've had people say to me over the years now what i'm about to tell you i've never shared this with anyone else and as soon as they say that I know that something good is about to happen because they've been carrying it for five years, 20 years, or 50 years, and they're about to release it. And I do know that when you're able to confess and release and totally address this junk that's going on, you know what I know? You don't have to feel weighted down and burdened anymore. God hates secrets. And when you know that I'm gonna be loved and accepted no matter what, God, i got to confess this. I've carried it. The guilt, the shame, the turmoil. Who can pray? Anybody. Who can confess? Anybody. If you read this text here in James, it says, Elijah, Elijah was a man just like us. Well, James, why you want to reference Elijah? He called down fire from heaven. He rebuked the prophets of Baal. This was a bad dude. No, no, Elijah struggled with fear and worry and loneliness and resentment. And when Jezebel started messing with the dude's mind, he wanted to die. Who can pray? Anybody just like Elijah. People that have had wins, but people that suffer defeats and turmoil. Elijah was a man just like us. Right, we're going to move into this time of prayer. And God invites ordinary people like me and you to pray. How do you do it? I must ask. I must ask. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Who? D- anyone? I've got to be specific. Cliches ain't going to work. It that, that, that. We're not trying to be cute. We're trying to be transparent and authentic. Who can, who can pray? Anyone. But I've got to ask. I've got to have the right motive. He goes, the reason you're not getting anything when you pray is your motives are jacked up. Get your motives right. All right my heart's to honor you and to know you. And then you've got to ask in faith. When, when you ask, you've got to sincerely believe that God wants to do something for you. So when you come to God, believe he wants to hear your prayer believe God wants to do something in your life to bring about transformation, you gotta trust him, you gotta press in. Now, even as I go through this, how important and how consistent is your prayer life? I can, I can honestly tell you, I would tell you this with all my heart, when I look at my own life, I struggle big time, with feeling like I'm cons- consistent enough in my prayer life. For the 36 years I've walked with Jesus, I've never said, I am totally satisfied with my prayer life. I- I've never been there. I talk to the Lord all the time. Talk to him throughout the day. I mean, Kevin, we can walk across the football field and we can pray and I pray throughout the day. But people go, are, are you are you content and satisfied with your prayer life? Never. I- I'm not and honestly, I don't know if I ever will be. I mean, even Billy Graham made this statement. He goes, I wish I would have spent more time in the Word and more time in prayer. I, I don't know of anyone that says, I'm, I'm good with my prayer life. I, I want God to know that I want God. And I want to be desperate to say, Lord, I, I got I to gotta have you. So the worship team is going to come up, okay, And the lights are going to go down. And I'm going to speak into this space here for a few moments in regards to prayer. And then we're going to come out of this prayer time. And then we're going to shift into, I'll give you about a five minute kind of uh, thought, if you will, and teaching on communion. And we really want to challenge every person to press into the Lord with communion. I'm going to pray. Lisa, you guys, Nick, you guys, let's roll it.